All right. Welcome to the Warrior Mindset and Motivation Podcast. I'm your host, Eric Castillo, retired Army Sergeant First Class, and I'm also a life coach at Zimi Wellness Center in Indigenous Sovereignty. So today we have to switch it up a little bit. Um, our guest who is going to come on, Tim Swigger, I call him the doctor because he's a veteran psychologist. He had some stuff happen at the last minute and he couldn't attend. So instead of just canceling the broadcast, I wanted to uh, just come on and then I'll speak and talk. Um, I've had a lot of podcasts go on about listening to all the different service members and things, uh, talk about their transitions, their struggles. And mine's never really had the opportunity to go up there and uh, come out. So I'll go ahead and talk a little bit about mine and let you know how how I went, how I went from going, leaving service to uh, going to a dark place, then kind of coming back out of it again. And if there's any type of questions that pop up, I'll, I'll engage with those and answer those as they come about. But um, I was medically retired from the military for being diagnosed with type 1 diabetes. Uh, no family history there. So it kind of sucks. And then I got my uh, little bag here that I use for insulin and stuff. So that's fun. That was a whole learning curve in itself. And then also for uh, post-traumatic stress disorder, which I didn't even really know I was dealing with at the time. You know, when you're in the military and you see a lot of uh, engagements. Oh, thank you, honey. Uh, and you see a lot of stuff and you you put yourself or you find yourself in some high tense situations, you don't really know how to process those things, especially when you come back from a tour, you come back, they go through the um thing. I can't remember what it's called. I think it's called like a RSP or whatever it's called, returning or so whatever it's called. And it's only like seven days, but those things still kind of linger there. Uh, and you don't really know while you're in, unless you're aware about it. And I didn't really know that I was dealing with a whole bunch of things and I was just burying myself in work, you know, being a soldier. And that's how that's kind of how I was suppressing it and not even really knowing I was suppressing it. And that led to some some not so smart decisions towards the end of my career that I made. Um, yeah, it didn't lead to some uh, smart choices, but um, and that was just because of that unresolved uh, trauma that was hap- that happened previous throughout my uh, four combat deployments. Total of six, four from combat, uh, three to Afghanistan, one to Iraq, uh, Saudi Arabia, and then uh, we went to Hungary, where we trained what they were called at the time was the Free Iraqi Forces, and I trained them in marksmanship and hand-to-hand combat. And during that time, I also injured my wrist, so that was kind of a kind of a hard thing to do to teach those Iraqis during that time. But um, Something that kind of happens, and a lot I know a lot of service members that deal with this, they um you feel like your identity is taken, especially. And even the unit I was in, um, I'm not gonna throw them out there. People watching can figure it out. I'm not much of a name dropper or anything, but they weren't exactly too uh too forthcoming to me being medically retired. Because um, and then I'll put it out there, I was uh I was on the track. I received a letter of reprimand um, for having an affair. Uh, again, I was, it was just, I was not happy in that marriage. I wasn't, and there was a lot of things that were going on at the time and it kind of just happened. I didn't even really expect it and it did. So I was on track to be administratively separated, um, which was hard 
you know, because I kind of I did it to myself. But at the same time, I was dealing with unresolved stuff um, that I didn't get to really get a handle on till later. And the unit, um, they weren't exactly uh, receptive to me being honest about it because I could have easily lied about it. And this is what kind of pisses me off about the army is that they preach integrity and things like that. And yeah, I, the all the army values. Yeah, I did violate those. I'll say all of them. Um, but at the same time, when I was approached, I was upfront about it. And instead of giving me the opportunity to bounce back from that, they were quick to push me out. Even though I had numerous letters of support, I had submitted over 32 letters of support. I had a couple of commanding general, one and two star generals. I had an FBI agent. I had command sergeants major. I had regular sergeant majors. I had first sergeants, lieutenants. I mean, I had a bunch. I had a lot. And still the Army said no. And then at this time, when you start going through that, you got to go through all the medical processing. And that's when I was found out that I had type 1 diabetes. Now, that there shifted the entire process of me getting out, and it pushed me to medically retire at 17 and a half years, um, just shy under 18. And uh, the unit I was with were not happy about that. And I was trying to go to the Warrior Transition Battalion, which is a WTV. And I'll never forget this. Uh, the sergeant major that was there at the time, uh, I was approved by the WTV to go, but the unit had to release me. The sergeant major looked me in my face while I was working in the, in, in the S3 shop. Or no, excuse me, the S2 shop. What was it, two? Two. Yeah, it was two. Or four, I don't know. One of those, I can't remember. He looked at me and he goes, "Are you broken? Are you? Are is your body broken?" And at that time, you know, I was just found out I was diabetic, so I was like, "Well, no." And he's like, "No, Warrior Transition Battalion is for broken soldiers, and you're not broken, so you're here." And they still tried to uh, do stuff to me, and basically, you're supposed to be allowed time to get out, regardless of whatever discharge you get. You're allowed that time to separate. They tried to separate me in two weeks when I you're really supposed to get like six months, especially now under the medical retirement. There was so many things to do and they literally tried to push me out. So what I did was is I picked up my clearing papers the day I was supposed to final out of the military. And then they didn't want to give me terminal leave at that, which is what I'm supposed to get. You know, that's that's my leave that I'm unable to use. So I had to do different things and go through legal to get that stuff to happen in order to do that. Now. Once being finally out of the military, I kind of felt like I was lost because um, that's, that's what I'd known. I joined at 17 years old before 9-11. It was July 2000 is when I joined. Um, so it was before 9-11. And that's all I knew. You know, it was back to back deployments when I was at Fort Bragg. And then there was a little pause uh, at Fort Lewis. I was there for a couple of years. Then in Germany, we hit a couple of deployments again. And when I was out, I kind of just I felt like I didn't really even know who I was. I kind of just felt down. I felt lost. I did. I didn't really know what to do. And I was kind of the ones who were fortunate enough to have a job. I got hired at Intel while I was uh, on active duty still, which is kind of not a rarity, but it's very, very seldom that that happens. And so it's, I had a job coming out. But at the same time, it wasn't really what I wanted to do. Um, because I was still in that mind frame of like, well, 
I wanted to be like a private military contractor. I wanted to go like, you know, provide security, private security, because I'm really good with a weapon. Uh, I'm really good with analyzing environments and things like that. But being diabetic made it difficult. So I kind of nixed all of those. And I still, uh, I lost my train of thought. Oh, I still would um, work at Intel. And I mean, it, right now, it, it honestly, it's, it's, a great, it's a great job. It's a great company. Don't get me wrong. For veterans, they love veterans and they're great. They're perfect. Um, and I still work there literally only to pay child support and alimony. That's, that's all I work there for. Um, the team is great. Everything's great. But it's not who, I'm, who I am. And I'm kind of still going through that process of getting stuff started up to be a, a life coach, working with my fiance and her business and uh, kind of get that platform up and the nonprofit and all that other things kind of to bloom. So I'm kind of doing that at the time, but that transition. So there's that time that was from, and I'll, I'll just throw years out there because I don't exactly remember the months. Um, so we'll say from 2018, um, we'll say to now. Yeah, well, we'll say to now. There was a there was a huge transformation in itself that happened. So when I got out, I let a beard grow, super long. It was like up to here, really long beard, long hair. You know, just I had that look like you don't want to mess with me because you you will disappear and no one will know what happened. You know, that's the look I had in my eyes. I was kind of lost, and then I went through some therapy, but then just to come back and get rebroken again, uh, that which didn't help. Um, and then I remember it was December 2018. Uh, there was a huge argument between my ex-wife and I, and I blacked out. It was, I think it was over, I can't remember. I think it was over money or something. I can't remember. It was over her or some settlement she got or something saying that I stole it, which didn't really steal it because I don't have anything to uh, gain from from uh, from that. I have nothing to show for it. So all I remember was that she grabbed my hair and then I blacked out. And then next thing you know, I'm getting arrested for strangulation and domestic violence, which I still don't even remember what happened because I saw a whole different environment. And that was like the trigger that happened. And I saw myself fighting an insurgent in in close arms, in close quarters combat. That's what I saw. And um, once the police came that night, um, they were kind of talking to me and I was still kind of fuzzy. I wasn't really there. And if it wasn't for the one cop, I think he had the sergeant stripes on his arm. I can't remember. If it wasn't for him being a veteran, I probably would have took both of those, both of those cops down because I was sizing them up and he knew it. He knew it. And he positioned his partner in what's called an L shape uh, when you're doing detainee operations. So if I'm looking at you, so it's me here, and you guys on the other side, right here. So the other person, which would be your partner, would either be on my left or my right to create that L shape. So that way, if I go, I can't go after both at the same time because of the spacing on where it's at. And that, that's like your basic um, level one detainee operations and training. That's what they teach you. Never stand next to each other. And also in case for crossfire, so you and your partner don't shoot each other. And once that cop realized that, he immediately told his partner to go over here. So, and I remember this. I remember looking at the cop and then I look at the partner and I look at him and he was like, I'm a veteran and everything kind of started winding down and I'm looking at them both. And then my brain started to figure out is, uh, how am I going to take both of these two down right now? That's what I was thinking at the time. And then he was constantly like snapping and he's like, Hey, 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 Hey. And he was kind of trying to reel me back in. And then he finally did. 
and then he was talking to me and then my ex was across the street or something, whatever. I don't know what was going on over there. And then he was really nice about it. He, uh, he told me he had to place me under arrest and what was I going to do? Right. I can't say no. Be like, no, you can't. I had to. So he put hands behind my back and arrested me. And then like, I think once those cuffs clicked, that's when it, uh, that's when everything like set in and I came back to reality and, and I was pissed off because I'm not a guy who gets in trouble. You know, I follow the rules, you know, like I, I try to do the right thing all the time. And, you know, sometimes the right thing isn't the right thing when you look back after it, but I always try to do the right thing. And I was pissed. Like I was so mad. It was not, I was yelling at the top of my lungs, screaming at her, you know, like saying a lot of, things that were not right you know like i was saying i wanted to like kill her i was like i was i was so and then I, at that time i also my foot was broke because it somehow got stuck under the car during the whole tussle that went on in the garage and i don't remember that um and i just remember my foot hurting and then they put me in the car and we drove to the police station and mind you i'm just newly diabetic too so like i have stuff and then i get to the, the washington county jail here or in oregon and they put me in a wheelchair because I can't walk. My foot's swollen as hell. Um, and they come in, and <laughs> this part's kind of funny. They go in here and then pulling me in a wheelchair. And I guess this guy, he was, a, he was, a, they move their people a lot in that jail, like from one place to another. Like they're constantly like moving. And you can tell they're kind of like relaxed, caught, relaxed inmates, I guess, uh, because they're just so frilly. And some of them are like regulars by the way they were talking. They knew some of them by first name. So I guess that's kind of the relationship they had over there. And the one of the guys, he looks at me and he goes, hey, who's that guy? And um, the cop, the veteran cop, he goes, hey, this guy, you know, he's a combat veteran, just, you know, got into a tussle and he has a messed up foot, you know. And then the guy, the inmate goes, oh, he's seen combat? And the cop goes, yeah. And he goes, oh, keep him over there. We don't want him over here. So, like, I laugh about it now, you know. And But at the, at the moment, I, that pissed me off. And I was like, what the hell? So then they, you know, that put, they put me in my own little cell, kind of like solitary. They gave me a paper and a pencil and, like, a blanket that was half the size of me, you know. And, uh I was kind of just in there and I was mad and I was kind of writing a whole bunch of things on paper. It didn't even make sense. I was just, I was pissed off. I was coming down off of that, uh, adrenaline and my best friend, uh, Daniel, he was my platoon sergeant in Germany and also in Iraq. He bailed me out of jail. And mind you, this was all during, not during work. Cause I work condensed work schedule at that time. I was working night shift. So it was Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, and every other Saturday at night from 7 40 PM to 7 40 AM. This happened like on a Thursday or a Friday, I think. And luckily it was that Saturday that I didn't have to work. So my job never knew about it. So I was in jail and then I got like four or six hours later, I was bailed out of jail by my best friend. I went to stay at his house because I was not allowed to go back over there. And I had two felony counts hanging over my head. And I was completely in like a disarray. Like I was just like, what the heck? It was like, Falling from the mountaintop because in the army I was I was I was I was up there I was uh, I did a lot of the right things um, I was one of those top one percent um, NCOs who non commissioned officers who was doing the right thing and stood out you know and then I shot myself in the foot figure of speech you know and 
tumbled down the mountain and that that started the tumble going down um and i got to his house and i was there for for six to seven months um just kind of staying with him and during that process i had to get an attorney which i couldn't afford and my dad and my stepdad had to help me afford the attorney and then i got placed into something called the veterans treatment court which they have in washington county which basically is a program that helps veterans who gets in legal trouble. It's kind of like a rehabilitation slash probation type program that they have. And the minimum time you have to be in there is a year. And depending on your charges, your charges can either be dismissed or lowered, depending on the classification that they are. And that program was was great. And honestly, like I wouldn't even change anything that happened because it made me what I am now. And then I'll explain that in a little bit. Um, and but going through that process itself they taught me a lot of things and going to the counseling and then talking with them weekly um they saw the shift too like i was very angry i was very uh aggressive at the time because i didn't know who i was all i knew was is that i was this i was this killing machine i was a war fighter i was you know like you put vest in kevlar on and you feel invincible you feel tough you feel strong and you feel like you can't even die And I didn't have that anymore. So now I felt like I was exposed, basically. And going through that process, uh, I wasn't allowed back at home. I mean, that that was the breaking point, too, where that marriage was done. I was like, I'm not going back there because if I go back, it's going to go it's going to get worse. And then both of my kids were in the middle of it also. And I'm not even going to really talk bad about my ex because I'm doing trying to do better in that area. But she didn't help the situation with the kids. That's all I'm going to say about that where now my daughter doesn't really talk to me and my son he just he just tries to be neutral so um but during that process there was a I was talking to someone else and that person ended up being a toxic so I went through two toxic relationships because I myself wasn't healed and wasn't ready to find the right person um and that alone can can hinder your 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 healing and going through treatment and stuff like that when you're not with the right person. And sometimes you need to be by yourself for that to happen. And during the veterans court process, like they taught me how to engage. They taught me how to deal with her. And they, and they saw because she was writing emails to all of them, like no other and not so many choice words and just constantly badgering me with text messages to where, on two different occasions at my best friend's house, I was contemplating suicide. And both times he just happened to intervene and kind of stop the process and snap me out of it. And that is a place, people, that is not a good place to be. Um, in the moment, you don't really, you don't really realize that you're there um, because you just, you just want the noise to stop in your head. You want, like for my situation, I wanted her to stop. And it's like everything was crashing. I wanted all the images in my head from deployments to stop. You know, I all the all the negative things you can say about yourself was happening at that moment, at those two moments. And it was constant. It was like a hammer just coming in, just bam, 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 one thing after another to where I thought that, hey, the only way I can get this stuff to turn off up here and shut up is just to end it because then I don't have to hear it no more because then it's done, you know, and, and then I'll be free. I'll be in peace, you know, then I'll have to deal with it no more. And I'll have to deal with her and I won't be a burden for anybody and I won't be anybody's problem or nothing. 
But let me tell you, that's that's not the right answer and it's not the right thing to do um, because there is help. And I had a lot of help and I just didn't realize it at the time. And I, I kind of shut shut it off, you know, because we go as veterans who experience war trauma. We go through the things of we don't want to burden anyone. We don't want to isolate. Uh, I mean, we isolate. We don't want to be anybody's problem. We know other people have problems, so they don't need ours um, when really. If you have a good support network and a system, they'll be there for you. And your and your the people that you consider uh, your battle buddies, they'll listen and they'll talk to you. You know, and they'll they'll sit there and they'll kind of throw memories. And that's what a lot of them did. Um, and it was very touching, you know, just to kind of be able to go through that process to kind of just remember. It's like remembering who you are. And knowing that that time is done. And I think the hardest part when it comes to that is accepting that that's done, that the military is done. That's the hard part is you're not there no more. As much as you want to be, you're not. It's over. It's done. And that's something that's, that's hard to come to terms with. It's hard to sit there and be like, to be like, you know what, dang. So, and it happened just, um, yesterday. Uh, I had to go get my ID card updated because it expired my retired ID and I was sitting there and, I was cool. I was prepared to go there. Um, but I saw people walking in the multicam uniform. I saw army trucks. I kind of got all some way because I was like, damn, I, I missed it. You know, and everything kind of just like, I was like, oh, geez, I kind of got, I felt mopey. I was kind of in the ID card place. It was the army armed forces center where reserve and national guard do training <laughs> and things like that. And I kind of was just like, I was kind of glum because I was like, damn, I miss wearing a uniform. I miss even though like you're at work and we all know when you're not deployed in uniform, you're doing all sorts of crazy things or tasks or details that don't make any sense. But it was just the fact of putting a uniform on because it felt like I was making a difference. And that alone was like, I was sitting there in the chair and I was just like, you know, I saw people coming in from lunch and I was like, man, seeing the uniform. And then I went into the mode of making sure that they didn't look all crazy because they are reserve and national guard. From what I from what I understand, I just wanted to make sure their uniform wasn't crazy, the boots weren't crazy or nothing. I didn't get all in their face, but I kind of was just I was scoping them out as they walked in to make sure that they were setting an example. They were supposed to be, especially the the non commissioned officers that walked through the door. Um, but yeah, I got a little sidetracked right there because that just happened yesterday. But um, during the process of Veterans Court, um, I kind of was learning to accept that. Uh, I was done with the military and that was a hard pill to swallow. And they helped that, you know, by just not letting me forget what I did, but just more like, it's almost like a, like a memory book basically. Or when you see your memories here on Facebook and you're like, Oh, that was a memory that that's kind of what they helped transition it to. And and it's also, uh, I went through some holistic healing with my fiance who's watching and I, I met her through the Facebook dating, which was kind of weird, but that did happen. And it's actually kind of neat because they don't see none of your profile stuff. You create your own small little profile and you just talk to people, you know, and I was looking for a friend at the time. I wasn't really trying to, cause I was done with both of those crazy toxic relationships. I was done and I was like, you know what? I honestly just want a friend. I don't want anything. And uh, and I was still in veterans court at the time. I was I had like four four months left, I think, three or four months left of it, you know. And uh, 
I just wanted uh, someone to be nice and just hang out with and then ended up talking with her. And this is where we're at now a year and some change later, we're engaged to be married in August. Happy about that. You know, super excited for that. Finally found the right person. And that's why I'm saying with veterans, if you're married now and you haven't told your spouse or significant other things that happened, you need to be vulnerable and do that. Because uh, if you don't trust her with that, why are you married? It's a question for you. If you you don't trust your spouse and being vulnerable, then what are you guys married for? Okay, and okay, but you're like, Eric, yeah, but I love her. But do you? Do you love her, though? Because if you did, you would share that stuff and you have to be vulnerable. And look, and I know it's difficult and I know it's hard because it was hard as hell for me to tell Rachel those some of those things that happened in the stories. But I had to. I had to be vulnerable because she knows how to handle that stuff. And I had to trust that she was not going to badger me or call me a liar or any of that stuff or just go, hmm, well, that sucks. And then pass it off. I I had to trust that, you know. Um, and that's something I really, really had to, to believe because, it, you know, faith is a powerful tool and I, I had to believe that. And luckily I did because she was able to help me and guide me through those things. So for those that are married, I'm not saying go right now and dump everything that happened through your deployments in one night. That's not what I'm saying. Um, there's time and place for it. And you start with one. You start with one. And even if you don't get too deep in the details, that's okay because I didn't. I didn't get too raw right away. But just the fact that if you're able to share it and your significant other is there just to kind of support you and be there for you, you know you have a good person and then you can divorce some more because the more you talk about your experiences and trauma and war, the easier it is to talk about it. And the easier it is to talk about it, then you can inspire other people like I'm trying to do for you guys now by having other people, other veterans come on this podcast that I do to inspire others that, hey, it's okay to talk about these things and you don't have to feel bad. There's no burden. There's no embarrassment because we've all we've all had different experiences. But when you look at the core of everything, it's all the same. We all have the same feelings. We all have the same thoughts. And we all have the same emotions when it comes to that stuff. It's just our experiences were different. Some were a little more high tense. Some uh, weren't. Um, and you're no one to judge someone else's trauma. Uh, when I, one of my old soldiers called me uh, a couple of weeks ago. And he was ranger and did all this crazy ranger things. And uh, was trying to say that when he was in Kandahar, someone was trying to claim uh, PTSD for a mortar attack that, and they weren't even close to it, and they got a combat action badge for it. But I was telling him like, he's no one to place that judgment on that person because they don't know, they don't know if they were if that was their first deployment or if that was day one or if that was day six. Maybe they didn't even request that award. Maybe their leadership put them in for that award. So like, there were so many unknowns that I kind of had to go through that uh that uh counseling again and be like look man i go right now you're upset about someone getting an award that you don't even know all the details about 
you heard about that they got one, but you don't know if that was their first tour, second tour, third. Maybe they were a lot closer to a, a mortar strike, and now even just the sound of a mortar from far away gets them all somehow. Just, they don't. He didn't know that, and that's what I had to remind him that everybody's trauma is, is different. Like for me, there was no like firefight engagements, but there was a lot of high tense situations, weapons pointing at each other and things, and you know. Even the slightest thing that could have happened would have sent everything sideways, but it never did. And for a while, uh, during that time, while I was in veterans court, I was sitting here and then I even went through the thing of dang, because I would always teach my people like when we would deploy and uh, the motto was for us is that we all come back or we all don't. Um, and there was people who actually would not go out the gate with my squad because of that. And my my response to it was, is, well, we're all soldiers and we're supposed to have each other's back. That's what it's supposed to be. So we either all we're all going to come out or we're all not going to come back in and we'll all die out there defending each other while we call for air support. I'm not saying we're just going to go rogue and turn all the comms off and things like that. No, we'll call for support, but we're not leaving until everyone comes back into the base, whether they are dead or alive. Everyone's coming back. You know, so we're all going to come back in or we all don't. And that was the that was the mentality I placed into my my soldiers when I was in charge of them. So then I went through a point in veterans court was like, dang, did I damage these people? Did I affect their mental stability with my thought process? And because look where I am is did that happen? Did I do that to them? And it was funny because as I was thinking that I got a message from one of them. Uh, He's in now. He's a recruiter. And uh, he's a staff sergeant and he called me and he thanked me for everything that I taught him. And it kind of like caught me by surprise, got me all watery eyed and stuff because I didn't expect that. But he must have heard me project that through uh, through the universe. And he was he was inspired to write me and let me know that he was grateful for the training that I gave him because it's helped him a lot. And even with the guy who called me a couple weeks ago, my old soldiers told me the same thing. And I think those are little reminders for me that I was on the right track and I was doing the right thing. So that helped dispel that because those negative thoughts, like if there's no, uh, when we have those, it's like, there's no, there's no basis behind it. I'm trying to assume, I was trying to assume their thoughts and their feelings when I can't do that. I can't sit there and say, oh, they're thinking this, or they're going to be this way because I don't know that I'm not in their brain. I'm not in their mind. I don't know what they're thinking. You know, I just have to know that I gave them the best training that I could. And it's, you know, you get those messages every now and then. And even uh, talking with some other people, talking with some old leaders, you know, it's great to be able to establish those communications because the one thing that civilians don't understand is like, um, and this is not like a bash or anything, but um, the veteran community, it's a very tight community. Um, We cannot know someone. And at the drop of a dime, we will stop what we're doing to help someone it's it's incredible and it's and you don't even have to be in the same unit with those people it's just it's that shared camaraderie that uh that we have and i see that as i as this podcast starts to slowly pick up in numbers and pick up with people and the people i meet uh talking to on here that come on here you know um i check in with a few of them regularly who write back and uh 
it's it's one of those things that we have to do to check on each other because that one text message or that one call could have diverted something that uh that that you know that person was thinking about and even when i write through comments here like there was a you know i checked the comments and people like things and it's it's you know i just even if they don't there's no engagement i still know they see it because i do it i'll see something and i may not hit the little what's the like button or whatever you want to call it or the little thingy that goes there i may not hit it but i see it and go hmm dope okay i needed that and then mine might just keep scrolling you know because i didn't for some reason i don't want to hit the button i don't do it on purpose i just go i needed that or i'll save that picture and then use my own thing and put my own spin on it but that's the goal for for this here and then for how this all kind of started and rachel pushed me to do this because uh i have a plat not a platform but i have a voice and when i speak people listen and it was like that in the military too uh i was not a yeller uh, I was not a screamer, and I was not, oh, let me go ahead and let everyone know why I'm pissed off. No, that didn't work. I think I could probably count on one hand all the times that I yelled in my entire 17 and a half years because when, if you're able to do that and if you're active, you might want to take heed of this. If you're not yelling, right, because I know that there are times where you have to yell and you have to get loud. But if you're constantly the same tone and you're very mellow and you're very open and you work with your soldiers and you try to just not coddle them, but you're a firm leader. Now, when they do something crazy and you get loud, everyone's going to stop and look at you like, whoa, why is he yelling? Why, why is she yelling? They don't yell. Who messed up? Who did something crazy for that person to yell? And that happened a couple of, that happened a few times that I did yell. Even one time in Germany it happened. Uh, something happened in the field. I don't remember what it was. And I lost it. And I was, I took one of the aiming poles because I'm, I'm artillery. And I started hitting the trail of the howitzer because I was pissed. I was pissed off. And all the training stopped. Everyone was looking. And, but everybody, my, my section, my crew listened. And they didn't make that mistake again. So if you're on the active right now, kind of, and if you're a yeller or if you're always loud, you may not acknowledge it. You may not even know that you're doing it, but you'll have more of an impact uh, if you change your style to that way. Because it, especially with this new army now, bitten jokers just go tone deaf. They don't even want to listen. The moment you get loud, it's like their parents are yelling at them and they go, poop, and they go like that and they don't listen. So you got to come up with new ways to engage with them. And you have to come up with, with creative tactics to to be that role model. And when it comes to what I'm doing here, uh, that's what I'm trying to do. Um, I just, I want to be able to provide quality content. I want to be able to provide different perspectives and aspects. So I scope people out. I look, not saying that no one is not valued because every veteran has a value and every veteran has a story, whether it's combat or not. Um, Everyone has a story, and that's kind of what I what I aim for. And I don't ask questions. Uh, I don't have a script. I kind of go with the flow, and there's four main main topics that go out there, and we roll with it. Um, and it's been pretty good. A lot of people, everyone who has come on, has enjoyed it. Um, and I, you know, I've developed some um, relationships with people on, that have come on. 
that now it's more of a, they give me their number and then we kind of exchange messages just to do a buddy check and things like that. And uh, then that's what it's about. And if it wasn't for all of the bad things that happened, the, the hard times, you know, I, I wouldn't be here doing what I'm doing. And uh, for those, uh, you know, it's, it's okay to have a rough life because having a, having tr- tough times in a rough life builds up your experience because now you're able to talk about stuff. If you had a smooth sailing, silver spoon fed life, what exactly can you tell someone? Or like if you're in a in a relationship and you've only been in one, yeah, you can talk about uh you can talk about certain aspects of what made your relationship last, but you can't talk about a narcissistic relationship. You can't talk about a toxic relationship, you can't talk about affairs in a relationship, you can't talk about going through divorce in the military you, you can't talk about any of those things if you're if you're doing a relationship thing because you haven't experienced those so yes good for you for having a good healthy long relationship one yes and you can talk about those but you can't talk about other stuff because you don't have that experience so when you go through tough times that's just that's your experience level going up you're leveling up because now you have that experience to talk about so now I can for me for example since this is me and I'm on my soapbox here for a little bit. I can talk about suicide. I could talk about suicide thoughts. I could talk about toxic marriage and how I felt in there. I could talk about being going into another relationship that ended up being toxic, but because of the training and the experience that I had in the previous, I was able to see all those red flags and cut it, cut, or as we would say in the military, cut sling load before it went anywhere, you know, before it started bringing the helicopter down. So going through that stuff and the experience allowed me to mold myself and be able to express those things and share those with people because I went through it and everyone's gone through something. So if you've gone through something, shoot, you can write me, write me a message. We'll talk about it. I may not know what you went through because obviously everyone's situation is different. But I can empathize because we have, when it comes to war trauma, the core of it's the same, you know. And uh, even just uh, someone now, uh, I met I met a guy through Instagram, um, great dude, Air Force and Marines. He's coming on my podcast here next month. That's gonna be an interesting story because I want to know how the hell someone goes from Air Force to Marines. So that that alone is gonna be interesting because I want to hear that that shift. But um, he hasn't really talked about his stuff. So I had to open that door for him to talk to me about it because like how he said, he wants to talk about it, but then it just never happens because he doesn't know who to go to. So if you can open that up and say, hey, yeah, you could talk to me, but you got to be in a good place to be able to receive that. Now, if you would, if I would have met him a year ago, I don't think I would have been in a good place to be able to provide the help for him that I can now. Uh, so you have to make sure you're in a good place in order to help someone because it's like that famous saying, you can't pour water into someone else's cup if your cup's empty. Cause then you're just pouring air and now there's nothing happening. And then both of you are going to be thirsty. Both of you are going to be wanting something to drink, you know? So you have to be able to make sure your cup's filled and know how to fill your cup when you pour your cup. So if you emptying out your, your thermos or your mug or whatever you, you drink out of, and it's empty, you got to know how to fill it back up. 
yourself, not no counseling or anything. You have to know how to fill your own cup back up so that way you can keep helping other people. And that's what I do. I, I do my own things to kind of help. Like for me, uh, being all this COVID stuff, I like playing Call of Duty uh, mobile on my phone. I don't like playing on the Xbox because there's too many cheaters, too many hackers. Someone killed me from the other side of the map knowing damn well they can't even see me. And that wouldn't even happen in real life. Shooting across Afghanistan with a random bullet, that won't happen. So I don't like playing that game. I like playing the mobile game because you can't really cheat on there. There's no cheat codes or hacks you can do. And I'll be sitting next to uh, my fiance and she'll be doing her little puzzle and she's got her leg thrown over my leg and I'm kind of going there. And then that's, that's my, that's my release time. And that's like my downtime where I kind of get to feel like I'm a soldier again, you know, and I go through and kill 30, 40, 50 people, you know, on there. And that, that's, that's my refill. So you have to ask yourself, what's your refill? Is it the gym? Is it reading? Is it playing a game? Is it, uh, building a model is it art and art's a really good one too art art therapy is actually really good um so ask yourself what what is it that you do to refill your cup um so now we're going to shift it here since you heard my whole story we're going to shift now here to kind of for veterans listening to inspire your mind to get out of that dark place because that dark place you know it's not going to go away that's just that's a given it's like yin and yang. For every positive, there's going to be a negative because if not, then the balance would be off. You know, so you're in a dark place right now. There's a light somewhere. So you, two things are going to happen. You either have to find the light that's out somewhere else or find the light switch and turn the light on. You know, and it's going to get dark again. I'm not going to sit here and tell you that it's not going to because then I'd be lying. It's going to get dark again, but at least now you know where the light switch is to turn it back on. And that's what I do. Light goes out. I go up, turn it back on. And that's why we're, that's why with the nonprofit that uh, Rachel and I are starting, it's called Task Force Lighthouse because when you think of a lighthouse, it is that one object out there for boats to see, for everyone to see. It's like the North Star. It doesn't go away. It's a beacon of hope. It's a beacon of light. And that's what, it, that, that's what a lighthouse is. You know, so look for your lighthouse, whatever, wherever it is, it's there. So if you don't see it right now, that's okay. That means you just, you got more work to do, but keep looking for it and keep your hands on the wall while you're walking because you're going to feel the light switch and then you're going to go up and you're going to flip it up and you're going to turn on the light and something will click in your mind. And that's what happened with me is that something clicked and then pow and then it happened. And I was just like, oh, have you ever seen those cartoons where the light goes and a light idea goes on? Army, we call those bright idea fairies to a sense because the little fairy flies around and hits you in the head with a bright idea and really it's a dumb one. But for this, this is actually good because you you need the the bright idea and the, the light to turn on. So that way then you can get out of that spot and then you can realize what put you there, why did you get there, what caused you to get there, and how to get out of it. Because there are things you can do to get out of it. You just, I mean... But it's, again, it's up to you. It's all on yourself, and it's on you to get out of that place that you're in. No one can pull you out. You can grab someone's hand, and they can pull, but there's going to be a moment. It's like a, you're doing a race, and you're running, right, and people are helping you and pushing you run, but you have to cross the finish line. Not anyone else. No one can cross it for you. You have to cross. You can have all the tools and all the training, but you're the one that has to run the race and cross the finish line. And that's the same thing for this here. 
uh, <clears throat> veterans, you know, you need help. You grab someone's hand, they pull you up. Yeah, they'll pull you up, but you have to get out of the hole. That person is the tool. So you have to motivate yourself to pull yourself out because all they're going to do is give that extra oomph, but all the oomph is coming from you lifting yourself out. And it's important that we do that because, you know, as, as everyone knows, there's the thing that, you know, 22 a day, you know, mission 22, they're awesome. They're, they're supporting that cause. And so do I. And it's just, it, it, you know, that has to kind of go down because especially being someone who was almost part of that statistic and, and then it's still happening, we have to try to knock that off and knock it down. And then that just revolves around us being there for each other. And for those, uh, if you haven't called someone in a while, you know, you got their number and y'all haven't spoke, reach out to your battle buddy, let them know that you're happy that they're your friend, you know, and, you know, let them know that you're grateful for them and watch, watch what happens, you know, uh, they'll you 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 that message might actually help someone and i've done it i mean i've messaged a few people i mean i do it sporadically and i do it when i feel inspired to do it and if you get that feeling don't ignore it because you you're you're getting that message from the universe to send your battle buddy a message because they probably need it and and i'm not trying to throw the guilt trip on you here for a second but if you ignore that inspiration something might happen and you could have stopped it but you didn't want to do it because you were too busy doing whatever you were doing when it literally only takes two seconds to send a message to someone saying, hey, what's up, man? How's it going? You know, I do it all the time. Even if there's no response, the fact that you sent it could have intervened and stopped something. And that's what's important. And that's what you have to do. Um, just because you hang up the uniform doesn't mean you have to stop being a leader. It doesn't mean that you have to abort your duties like I see everyone talking about here. Oh, I signed an oath that doesn't expire, you know, but are you really living up to that oath? You know, are you, are you fulfilling what those duties are in that oath to always look out after your, after your battle buddy, to always make sure they're covered and to always, you know, place their needs above your own. You know, are you, are you doing that? And if not, it's okay because I no one's perfect. I mean, you know, I fall short on those, but as long as you are aware of your mistake and you correct it, that's all that's important. Just fix your mistake. You know, a mistake is a mistake, and that's okay because that's how you learn. But if the same mistake is being made over and over and over and over again, you just switched over to negligent now in ignorance. So it's important that you that I identify both of those two right there because. If it, it's like if you ignore something, okay, yeah, you know, you're kind of tiptoeing the line. But now if you're constantly ignoring and you're doing the same thing over and over again, it's like, okay, now you're just not paying attention, you know, and you're becoming part of the problem instead of being part of the solution, you know. And luckily for me, when I would always – I was taught this and then I pushed it to my soldiers is that if you're going to come to me with a problem, you better come with some solutions too. And if you can't, you better have a damn good reason why you don't have solutions and then we'll come with some together. And if, if you still don't have solutions, I'll give you some avenues to go look for those solutions, but I'm not going to give them to you because then what are you learning if you don't come up with your own solutions? So that way you learn how to problem solve and you learn how to deal with all the madness that life likes to throw at you and all the things that happen. So you have to put those things up so that way you know how to handle those situations when they come up. So if someone comes to you with a problem, Say, okay, well, what's your ideas to fix it? You may have them. You may know how to fix it, but do they? 
And then if you keep helping them with the same problems, they're not going to learn and then they're going to depend on you. And I'm not saying that's a bad thing, but they got to learn too. You know, you they, they got to learn how to fix their own problems and yeah, resource to people and come up with a problem together with others. And I think when it comes to veteran suicide awareness and mental health, I think the disconnect with that is that uh, we forget or no correction. We forgot how to come with problem with solutions to our own problems. And that sounds harsh, but I call it how it is. And people who know me know that I tell it straight. Um, we, we forgot how to bring solutions to our own problems because our identity was stripped. So now it's just like, oh, fuck it. Here's my problems. And that's it. No, we have to remember that at one point you were a leader. You led something and did something or were in charge of something and you had to problem solve. And in there inside of you, you can solve a lot of these problems. You just have to do it and not give a crap what anybody says. You're going to solve your own problem the way you solve your own problem, but the problem gets solved. Just be careful with collateral damage because then that's when that's when things get messy. But when I was taught by what I was meaning is, is that the disconnect is that we we forget and forgot how to bring our own solutions. And and that's OK. There's nothing wrong with that, um, because a lot of other things contribute to that factor. So it's really just kind of relearning in a different way how to develop our own solutions outside of the military. Because in the military, you got someone to go to, you know, no matter what rank you are, there's someone to go to, whether you're an E9 or you're an O9, there is always someone to report to who you can ask for. But once you're out, who there's no one to go to. And yeah, There's people to go to. Yeah, you're probably like, oh, Eric, but I have people. No, I'm talking about like someone who you go to. To like reporting, like, hey, I have a problem. Da, 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 my problem, like a boss. There was always someone. Someone was always in charge. When you get out, you're in charge of yourself. You know, so it's like, yeah, you may have a job, but very rarely is your boss going to want to hear your mental health and personal problems. You know, so that's why you have to be able to figure this stuff out yourself and seek the help yourself and go get the help you need because. Most bosses, I'm not going to say all because then that would just be stereotypical. Most bosses will support you getting help. And if they don't, you probably should be working there. Now I'll just put that out there. I Luckily at Intel, I've had very good bosses and they were very supportive of my mental health and uh, diabetic health. They were very supportive. And, you know, you shouldn't be afraid to go get help. It's not shaming. You're not weak. And I know when I first joined the Army going to mental health, they labeled you as a crazy and as a weak and your ass went to the headquarters platoon and that was it. You were done. You know, it's not, not, I'm not saying that's how it is now. At least anyone I had, I didn't do that. So when you're out, you're, it's not weak. It's not shaming. It's not bad to go talk to a counselor. It's not bad to go get help. It's not bad to seek therapy or reach out to a buddy or someone just to talk. Because most of the time we like sharing the stories anyways. And if if someone on here writes me and I don't know you, you can share me your story. And where I may not be able to laugh with your story or anything or empathize with it, but I can I can laugh at it if it's funny or I can feel what you're talking about. If it's something very, you know, 
not in a laughing manner. And then I'll tell you one of mine and it'll go the same way. And, and then we just start swapping stories. And that's how that happens. That's that old war story swapping that we talk about because we weren't in the same place, but they have the same meaning. And, and that's really what I wanted to come on here and talk about is uh, I had everyone come up here and tell their transition stories and, you know, and where they're at and what got them through. And I wanted to do mine. I was kind of thinking about it for a while, but the opportunity never presented itself because again, I was placing others need, placing other needs before my own part of the NCL creed in the army. I will always place their needs above my own. And that's what I was doing. Um, making sure people got out here and had a platform to talk about, had something, had someone to share to because that way next time they share their story is that much easier. Um, and then it's easier and easier to do that. So I wanted to share mine, uh, my whole transition on how that went for where I went at the top. So the heroes fall. It's a, it's a classic story. It happens. Hero rises to the top, falls, and has to climb and struggle their way back up through it. If you look at it, even to make movies about it, Captain America, Thor, Iron Man, uh, they're there. This is all the classic stories, rise and fall and rise back up again. And then the rise back up is harder than getting to the top in the beginning because when you're when you have that drive in the beginning, you're pushing, you're going, you're going, you're going, and then something happens and you fall. And it's so easy to fall. It really is. It's so easy to fall into that negative mindset and just fall and fall and fall and fall because you're just like, fuck it, fuck it, and you keep falling, you know? And then when you think you hit the bottom, like for me, I thought I hit the bottom, and when I went to roll over, I fucking fell deeper. And I was like, damn, this shit's still going down. I thought I hit the floor already. You know, because then, then when you hit rock bottom and then there's no more uh, there's no more uh, dips or anything and no more cliffs. Now is when you're ready to transform. Now is when you're ready to make change is when you're at the bottom and you having problems getting up and you're struggling getting up. You know, that's why they always say they, there's a difference between winners and losers. Yeah, we know when a win is a loss, a loss. But the difference between a winner or a champion and not as a champion gets back up. Champion is knocked down, but then gets back up and keeps going where a loser will just lay there and kind of just take it. And as a veteran, we get back up. That's what we do. Yeah, it may take us longer to get back up, but damn it, we get back up and we keep fighting and we keep pushing because that's that's that warrior mentality and that warrior mindset that we have or have had. Well, not have had, that we have. You know, is to keep pushing and to keep grinding, adapt and overcome, because that's what we do. We adapt, we overcome, and we kick ass and we take names. And if we get punched in the mouth along the way, because it's going to happen, life will catch you by the side and punch you square in the mouth and knock you on your ass. And then you're confused and you're dazed and you're like, what the hell was that? Where did that come from? But it doesn't matter where it came from. It only matters that you get back up. That's, that's, that's all that's important. And then now you just now you okay so I got hit from this side and you just keep going, and you you take the hits. That's what you do. You take them and you absorb those hits and you add them to your add them to your toolbox, add them to your rucksack. You know oh okay boom got it boom let me add that in there because now I know when that happens I can dodge that punch now. You know it's just like with training. Uh, we train for everything to go to war. We train to every possible scenario that happens. But then when some shit goes down, it's that one thing we didn't do because you can't train for everything. You can't prepare for everything. So sometimes you just got to take that shot to the mouth, you know, and just be like, ah, OK, so you got to take the hit. 
And if you fall, you freaking fall, you know, because I'm not going to tell you not to fall because that would be ignorant on my part. Uh, you fall on your ass, you know, take a second and be like, okay, process what happened. Don't stay there too long and get your ass back up, you know, get back up and keep fighting. Like, oh, one of my buddies here writing uh, the um, good nonprofit, No Veterans Forsaken. He wrote on here, everyone gets knocked down, physics 101. What goes up must come down. That is very true. The strong keep getting back up, keep preaching the truth. I just try to be honest. And if you don't think what goes up must come down, I want you to grab something right now, throw it up in the air and watch what happens. The shit will fall on the ground because that's just what it is. It's, it's, the, it's, the, it's the natural gravitational pull of life. What goes up must come down. And it's like a ball. The harder you, it's like, a, here's a perfect example. It's like a bouncy ball. And this is what we are. The harder you throw a ball on the ground, the higher it's going to go back up. Now, it's not going to stay up there because, of course, the laws of physics 101, that ball's going to come back down. But guess what it's going to do? It's going to bounce up again, you know, and it's going to go down. It's going to bounce up again. Now, it's not going to bounce as high. And that's where you got to catch the ball. This is where you get punched in the mouth. When you when the ball stops bouncing, that's that's you getting hit in the face. And then you throw it and bounce it harder again and keep going. All right. So um, I'm coming close to time here. Uh, It's 57 minutes. Instagram's punk ass likes to only do 60 minutes or less. So you got to keep it on here. Maybe I can answer a question here in two minutes. How can I, as a non-veteran, support veteran friends? Okay, I got about two minutes to answer that question, Rosa. So the way you're non-military, so the best way to support veteran friends, it just it really depends on what you're trying to do. So the best thing I would suggest is just be there for them. Listen. Just listen. That's all you have to do is listen. Uh, not saying your two senses is invalid, um, but sometimes su- support. Sometimes uh, a lot of things are better left unsaid, you know. Um, I, and I think when it comes to supporting veteran friends, we just want to be heard. We want to be heard and we don't want to be judged or labeled. We just want to talk sometimes. And you save you save all that stuff for something else. And depending on your friends, on how they are and how they re- how receptive they are to receiving that stuff, uh, that type of feedback is how you engage with that. But really, it's just. And I'm not saying now buckle down and do whatever they want to do. No, um, if they need help with something, support them. You know, if you're not inclined to give a certain advice because you don't know, tell them. Hey, you know what? I'm not sure how to answer that question, but I'm pretty sure you know someone who can answer that question and you guide them in that way because that's the support. Just because you can't help them directly doesn't mean someone else uh, can't help them. And and that right there shows that, hey, you know what? I'm supporting my veteran friend. Let me let me have you talk to this person over here because they can do that. You know, someone's always willing to, to listen and help, you know, and. You're not going to have all the answers. And if this goes past 60, I don't care. I'll make it two parts because I'm on a soapbox and I see some people watching and that's great. And I think that that's what's important with this. And if I see it die down, then that's all right. But um, that was a really good question. And I think that's a lot that, that that's an important question because a lot of uh, my friends who are non-veteran, non-military and not too sure how to support uh veteran uh friends because they don't want to say the wrong thing they don't want to seem overbearing but you know what though we have thick skin 
a lot of us do and we're a little fragile when we come out and it's just the fact of being there is is what's important you just just be there be there even if sometimes the best thing to say is nothing because your presence alone is what matters and what's important and it just went over the 60 mark so that's okay i will split this up into two parts because i'm still feeling inspired to say things so I will just break it up into two pieces and I'll use my little editor on to knock it off and how to split. But um, the last thing I'm going to say over here is uh, unless someone else has anything else up here. Uh, thank you, honey, for your comments and support. I really appreciate it. I love you and I'm grateful for those uh, comments because they're, 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 they make me smile and they make me laugh. So uh, I appreciate you always being there. Uh, no uh christian who's with no veterans forsaken it was he came on my podcast and now we're and that's what i was talking about building new relationships don't be afraid to reach out to people you don't know um even if you're in like these veterans groups i share my stuff to the veterans groups um don't be afraid to write to someone and i'm not necessarily saying me i'm saying that uh when it comes to the veterans groups Someone's writing a question. I see a lot of people writing on there, and that's freaking kick ass, you know. But don't be afraid to write them a, a personal message or what they call it nowadays. It used to be called the instant message. It was an IM. I think it's called a DM now. I don't know why it changed to direct message. It's an instant message. Whatever. I'm not up with the technology terms. I just know how to do technology things. But um, send them a send them a message in their inbox, personally, privately. Say, hey, man, you know, and just express how you felt about what they said and that, you know, you can actually develop a, a relationship that way with that, with, with said person. And I've done that with quite a few people on here. Um, and even when it <laughs> funny, when it came to this one, the template that I have on here, a uh, few people were saying that, Oh, he's definitely in the army class B uniform. Where's his Marine stuff? Where's his Marine awards or whatever. Uh, I can see how that, uh, Perception was that way, but definitely I am my own person and Tim is his own person. And I've never had that happen before, but I can I guess I can kind of see why that uh why that assumption was made. And I had some defense in the comments, so that was pretty cool. And then I also had to definitely be my sarcastic self for some of the comments. Not being mean, it's just sarcastic comedy is what I was doing. But um but yeah, I mean I don't think i really have anything else right now um it's two minutes over so that'd be kind of weird so i'd probably have to chop some of this out but um yeah uh for those that did watch i appreciate you watching and i just try to provide that valued feedback to everyone and uh take what you need from here um i'm not saying i got all the answers because i don't um and if you have questions, you can write me. And if I don't know the answer right off the bat, I'll help you find the answer. I'm not going to give you the answer, but I'll help you find it. Uh, if I don't know it, I'll point you in the right direction and say, try this or try that. Or I can only give you my experience based off your question, like how Rosa asked her question. I can only give her my point of view for what I think. Not, it's not like a concrete answer for everything. Uh, because everyone has their own perceptions and their own way they're going to do things. 
So, um, yeah, that's kind of kind of how I'm going to wrap that one. Uh, this will be shared across different places. Uh, more as like a, I guess I've done a quite a bit of episodes, so this will probably end the season one, if you want to call it like that. Because uh, Tim was unable to make it. He had personal things. But I appreciate you guys for listening. Uh, appreciate you guys for supporting this podcast and what I do. Uh, I will keep, I have, oh damn, I got tongue tied. I will keep providing quality content. I have a pretty dope lineup here the next few weeks, you know, given nothing happens, but I have, I have a pretty good lineup of people. I got a CEO of a nonprofit coming on. I got the Air Force to Marine guy, you know, I got a, I got the doctor. He'll come back on whenever he gets his personal stuff in, in order in line and what happened today. I call him the doctor, Tim. We'll get him back on here. Uh, so I got, I got quite a bit. If you know someone too, hey, send me a message. If either you or someone you know would benefit coming on here, uh, send me a message and I'll make sure that I talk to them, fill them out and see if they're fit for for this and then get them on here to share their story. Or if you know someone, or if you don't even want to tell them, tell me their name, I'll reach out to them and I'll, I'll do some, some scoping out and see, you know, what they're, what that person's about and see if they, uh, they fit to come on here. So again, thank you for watching. Uh, thank you for listening. Um, I never really talked about all this stuff on the camera like this, uh, on a single by myself platform. So I I was just, uh, this is one of the things too, is, uh, being vulnerable and uh, the easier it is, uh, the more you talk about it, the easier it is. Um, I've talked about that kind of stuff in different areas, different, different platforms I've used to talk about my transition, but not, not like this. So this was a first and it was difficult. So yeah, there was some things I didn't really dive into because I'm not there yet. So that's an example of it's, it gets easier but there are still some things that I didn't include because I'm not there yet. I'm not there to talk about it yet. I'm almost there. And when it does come up, I will put those things out there. It's just, I'm not exactly there yet uh, because we are, I still, I have to work to do myself and work is never done. Uh, you get to a place to where you can talk about things, but you keep working, you keep improving and you keep yourself growth going is what's important. And I'm still growing. I'm still learning. Um, I've learned from my mistakes that I made in the past that I talked about earlier. I've learned from them and uh, that, and that, that's how I'm able to be and do what I do now is learning from those mistakes where they were big ones. And sometimes you got to make a big one, you know, in order to learn. And sometimes the same mistakes got to happen a couple of times, you know, and that's where, you know, it was borderline ignorant and negligent, but sometimes it's that final time where, okay, that's it. And then you want to shift. So I'm going to leave it with this piece here. Um, and this is something that I did. And I think it's very powerful to do is uh, when you get well, two things, it'll be two. Um, I learned this through Rachel is um, take a moment, go outside if you have grass uh, or wherever and take your socks, shoes off, sandals and go stand on the grass, you know, and just uh, or sit. Whichever is comfortable, and just listen. Um, take, you know, just close your eyes softly and just take a few minutes and listen and feel what you feel. 
you know, get in tune with yourself, ground yourself. I think it's important. I've done that. I do it. And it actually works. I can't even explain what happens. It just works. You know, like you just feel a little more just like, now this, the next one is, is something I did too. And I even do it from time to time and it still kind of hits a little bit. Uh, and I'll explain um, the meaning. So for this veterans, mainly, uh, if you're not, that's okay. Um, go to a mirror, preferably the bathroom and stare at yourself. Now, when you're looking, look past the physical part and just keep staring. Look, focus on your eyes and just look uh, and just stare. And what do you see? Are you happy with yourself? Are you happy with what you're doing? And just stare. And uh, I know for me, uh, kind of like what I kind of know that if I'm uh, on the right track or not is I'll feel it. I know in the beginning my eyes would water up because I know I wasn't happy with where I was at. I wasn't happy with what direction my life was going uh, because I was looking into my soul, basically. I was looking at myself and it's not what I saw in my, myself or envisioned for myself. So I challenge you to try to do that and stand there for however long it takes until you feel the need to disconnect. Um, but take a look into yourself and really, really look and let yourself feel what you're feeling uh, and just acknowledge those. And whatever comes up, Whatever comes up, just uh, think about them and how are you going to fix them? If they're problems, what are you going to do to fix those? If you don't like the way your life is right now, what do you what do you need to do to fix it? Uh, don't make excuses for why you can't, because anyone can do that. It's too easy to come up with a list on why you can't. Come up with a list on why you can fix it how you could fix it. How could you fix your direction? How can you fix your direction? Um, and be nice to yourself too. Um, and oh, like Rachel says here, then stare in the mirror and love yourself. Tell yourself you love yourself over and over until you believe it. And it's funny that she says that because we had a guy in veterans court where uh, he made him he made him say something similar like that over and over. He made him say that I am a good person and I believe in myself. He made him say that because we'd have to go up and talk, you know, just about how we've been doing the past week or two during the during the veterans court. And he would make him say that before he even started. He'd be like, nope. And then he, he started out sarcastic, like I'm a good person and I care about myself. You know, like he started, but you, again, you say it so much to where you actually start to believe it. So if if when the negative thoughts happen and you believe those things about the negative thoughts, this is this is where the, the checks and balances come in. Just so it happens on the negative side, it can happen on the positive side, too. So if you tell yourself you're a piece of shit, you're going to believe it. But if you tell yourself you believe in yourself and you love yourself over and over, you're going to believe it eventually. You know, it's it's it, it works both ways. It's not just like a one way thing. So it's like a battery. When you use a battery, it's just not just a plus and only in the battery is a positive and a negative. You know, that's how things work. So if it works on the negative side, it's going to work on the positive side, too. So do that. Uh, take a look. Peer deep. And if you start watering, your eyes start watering. So what? 
be vulnerable to yourself. It's just you. It's just you there, you know, or if you need your spouse there or significant other, that's cool. But I prefer you do it by yourself because you're allowing yourself to be vulnerable with yourself. And when you can be vulnerable with yourself, you can be vulnerable with your uh, significant other. And that's huge because then now it'll strengthen your relationship. It'll strengthen you when you're able to do that for yourself. You know, and then be truthful to yourself because you can sit here and lie to yourself all day long, but you know what the truth is. So if you know what the truth is, why are you going to try to ignore it? Be honest with yourself and really take a stare. If you're fucking up, you're fucking up. You know, that's just what it is. Don't be like, oh, but I'm fucking up. But well, you know, because of, no, that that's now excuses and you're justifying why you're messing up. And that doesn't work because that's not going to fix anything. Just acknowledge you're making mistakes and how are you going to fix them? You know, how are you going to fix those mistakes? That's all that it's, that's all that it revolves around. You know, every problem has a solution in life. You know, sometimes they take longer to find. And sometimes you have to sit there and peer deep into yourself and just look and cry and feel vulnerable. But at that moment at time is when you will figure out what you need to do. And once you figure out what you need to do and you provide yourself with that task and purpose, which is the main driving force of the military is having task and purpose. When you give yourself task and purpose, you're unstoppable. You're unstoppable. When you say, you know, we always got to stay on mission, right? So give yourself a mission. What is your mission? Is your mission to get a new house? Is your mission to strengthen your relationship? Is your mission to get a new car? Is your mission to have a better relationship with your kids? Is your mission to have a better relationship with your immediate family members? What's your mission? Do better in school? What is it? Um, and once you have that mission, now you can start planning on, okay, how am I going to accomplish this mission? And then I'm going to go military talk here in a minute. So we got the eight steps to problem solving in the army that we have when we have to do the mission. We have the mission planning and the mission prep and all the steps that go into mission planning. Everything that we're going, you know, communications and networking and resourcing in the plan, the execution, all that stuff, you know, like in the rehearsals and everything. So if we can do all of that in the military and we can we can use the eight steps to problem solving, I would say them, but I don't remember them. <laughs> I just execute them. Uh, but by verbatim, I don't know what they are. But uh, if we can do the eight steps to problem solving. And if we can set up a mission plan in the military, a mission briefing, why the hell can't we do it in civilian life? What's different? We're not wearing a uniform? No, it's the same thing. You're just not going to kill someone. You're just not going on a mission from point A to point B to provide security. You're not doing that. It's just a little different. But you can still apply the same principles to problem solving in mission planning as you can in, in civilian life. You just have to switch up the words a little bit. And I had to learn that too. And that was a hard thing for me to learn because I'm a very, I'm an execution kind of guy. I'm a very get it done, uh, stay on mission, continue mission and go. And I'm finding myself now getting back to that track. It's just learning how to, to civilianize that instead of it being military mission oriented because I don't have a vest no more. I don't have a Kevlar. I don't have an M4. I don't have a nine mil. Um, I'm not going outside the gate. My front door is not the wire, you know, or my back door over here. That's not the wire either. 
So there's no wire. I'm not, I'm not in a fire base no more. I'm not, I'm not going to go on patrol because that's not what, that's not what we're doing right now. That time is done. So now I shift all of that mindset to, okay, the moment I walk out that door, I got to go over here and I'm doing the mission planning. I got to go to my car. I got to drive over here. I have to get gas. I have to put, and you start listing off all those things you need to do. Same thing. It's the same thing as mission planning when you're going to prepare for a mission and you start having to write down all the things you need to do to complete that mission. So you take all of that context and all of that content and you switch it over to a civilian life and you execute. You need to get a degree for school. What are you going to do to get a degree for school? What steps do you need to take? I'm not going to say them because everyone's route is different. Uh, so you go through that and you write those things down and you do the research and you ask people for help because they'll help. And if you write it in one of the veterans groups, oh, you're going to get a ton of answers because I see it and you're going to get an answer. But don't be lazy. Do the work and confirm. You know, you want to be able to confirm your answers so that way, you know, you're doing the right research. So you're doing you're you're kind of you're you're working both angles. You're you're because I stay researching. I stay looking up and I stay finding things. And then if I want to confirm something, I go to the veterans groups and I ask. Be like, oh, hey, I found this. No, no, I don't tell them what I found. I ask the question to see if it lines up with my answers, because then sometimes I'll get a different answer that I didn't find. You know, and and that's just because people are resourceful or people have gone through that specifically what I'm asking, because I may or may not have gone through it yet. So. With all that, just take your mission planning and your steps and your eight steps of problem solving. If you know what it is, Google it. Look at it. Matter of fact, I'm going to do it right now. I'm going to look it up because I feel like I'm leaving you with half information, and I don't want to do that. For those that don't remember, because I damn sure don't remember what they are. It's been a while. So let me see. Eight steps to problem solving. Ah, Here we go. Here it is. Um. No, that's not necessary. No, they got different ones here. So hold on. We got, see, there's even as I type this in, they got civilianized. Matter of fact, no, this is good. So I was going to read the army stuff here, but I'm going to go ahead and show you how important it is that when you type it in and that you do this in, you just switch it up. So this is with a uh, university. What is this? I don't know what university this is. Go lean Sigma. Iowa. Well, I don't know, whatever. But uh, first step is to find the problem. What's the problem? You know, identify the problem, right? Clarify the problem. Define goals. Identify root cause of the problem. Develop an action plan. Execute the action plan. Evaluate the results and continuously improve. That's the civilianized uh, thing of eight steps to problem solving. Now, when you go to the Army side, uh, they have... uh, well, it looks like they changed a little bit too. It used to be different back in my day. So uh, they got the first one, which is identify the problem. Now listen to how similar this is. There's seven steps. The civilian side just gives you one more. They give you eight. So there's there's a uh, seven here. Identify the problem. Identify the facts and assumptions. Generate alternatives. Analyze the alternatives. Compare the alternatives. Make and execute your decision and assess the results. See how similar those are. It's very, very similar, except all we did was is in the army, we made it seven steps instead of eight. But it's the same thing. So execute your plan that you want to execute, 
And if you need to write it down in that fact, if you need to write yourself a template and write it down, do that. If that's where you got to start, start. Don't feel bad about it. Start that way by writing it down exactly in that format, because that just might help you organize what you need to do. So, and if it helps you, it helps you. Why are you going to knock yourself from help? You know, you know what you need to succeed and you know what you need to grow. So why are you going to limit yourself for what you're feeling bad about or feeling ashamed of? And this is what we're going back to talking about. If you tell yourself that, that's going to happen. But if you tell yourself the good and what you can do, that's going to happen. So I think that's where I'm going to wrap it up. Um, yeah, it's about a minute, minute, an hour 20. So I think that's where we're going to wrap it up at. Um, I know I went on a little longer soapbox and that's okay. Uh, that means that that just stuff just needed to be said. So I appreciate people listening. Let me see who's going to be for the next time. Cause I want to be able to let you guys know. Um, so, uh, yeah. Okay. So I appreciate everybody for listening. Um, tune into the next one because the next one is interesting. Uh, the guy I'm coming, have coming on, um, uh, the rapper soldier hard. He actually had this guy come to me, this guy, he went through something like there is no other. Um, he was basically declared deceased by the VA and the federal government, even though he was alive. And the fight to come back to being alive has been something else. And he's going to share that story with you guys next week. Uh, so stay tuned for that. I'm interested. I'm excited to hear it because that's like, how does that even happen? So stay tuned for it. Thanks for tuning in and watching. I know it was a little longer, but um, it is what it is. This, this was me here, and I didn't have a guest, so I wanted to let you guys in on my piece, my transition, my uh, my my part, you know, just so you know the reason why this podcast came about. So thanks a lot for tuning in. Thanks a lot for following. Uh, follow this page if you haven't already. Set your notification on for when I go live again with the next guest. Set all those thingies that go there, notifications and whatever else. Tell your family, tell your friends uh, to watch because you're going to learn something. Guarantee you're going to learn something because uh, that's that's what this is about. You're going to hear something, you're going to learn something, and you're going to figure out how to help someone. So uh, I appreciate it. Thank you for watching. Uh, we'll talk to you guys next week. Of course, I'll do my post like I always do. And I will see you guys later. And like how I used to say in the military, since my call sign, my favorite one was Cobra 8 because I was a gunnery sergeant in the Army, which is field artillery. And I was a gunnery sergeant, not the Marines. I'm going to say Cobra 8 signing off until next week. Out.